Scenery for me is the big thing. Most people don't get to see what we see when we race. It's a unknown gem. A lot of guys come up from Boston and Maine to get their Boston qualifying times. It's fairly flat and it literally skirts the ocean. That was couple of the quarter Brad Whitson and Jennifer Tackley. And this is episode 48 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn and I'm a road runner. And I'm Kim and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. It's time for our third couple of the quarter episode. This week, we invited Brad Whitson and Jennifer Tackley onto the show. They are a running couple from Winnipeg with decades of running experience together. You would be hard pressed to find a race that they haven't done in North America. The range represented between the two of them is incredible, from shorter road runs to longer ultramarathons. With races starting to happen again, many people are daring to dream and starting to plan their race calendars for the remainder of this season and the next. With that in mind, we thought it would be fun to ask Brad and Jen to list their top five favorite road races and top five most recommended trail races. They have a really interesting mix of events on their list, from the Montreal Marathon and the Disney Dopey Challenge to the Havelina 100 Miler and the ET51K. We hope you enjoy this episode and maybe get some ideas for new places to explore. So Brad and Jen, welcome to the Inspired Souls podcast. Carolyn and I are thrilled to have you on as our third couple of the quarter. Thanks very much. We're excited to be here. Um, I'm actually really excited to talk to you both because you have so much race experience and so much running experience. Uh, I know this conversation is going to be a really fun one. Brad, Jen, and Carolyn are recording and chatting from Winnipeg, and I'm the one recording from Calgary. But yet again, I'll say how cool is it that we can all still keep these conversations going from wherever we are in the country. So before we get into the list of your favorite races, both trail and road, I was hoping that you could each give us just a little bit of background about who you are and what you do. So Brad, let's start with you. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, uh, Brad Whitson and uh, presently living in uh, Winnipeg with Jennifer and um, my age is 57. I'm newly retired, so I've been doing a lot of running in my spare time and uh, just seeing where we can go uh, after the pa- uh, pandemic is over. Awesome. So Jen, what about you? Hi, I'm Jennifer. I'm 57. I'm an ultra runner and I work for Canadian Blood Services. So how did you each get into running? I know you have extensive running experience, but if you can tell us how you started with running, how you fell into the sport, and then maybe how your running evolved over time. So let's start with Jen this time. Tell us your running story. I ran in high in junior high, stopped in high school, and then in my 20s, I just started running again, just has been a natural part of my life. Always running has been more so now than it has ever been. So yeah, I just naturally evolved. And I think I want to say maybe 2009, we started racing, I want to say, if that's correct, Brad. Yeah, around there. Yeah, we don't really have a date. We Although we have all of our little the numbers, you know, that you, your bibs, we have every bib downstairs in the basement from each of our races. Oh, wow. I'd love to see that. That's probably a whole wall. uh, No, he's got them on a ring and they all have the times on them. He writes all the times on them and then he, okay. Brad tracks all of his stuff. So I don't, but (laughs) he's got all that stuff downstairs. So yeah. So, I mean, I think it's 2009 and then we started taking it a little bit more seriously and, and then it eventually evolved from road to trail to ultra, I guess. So you started out road running got into trail running, and then you just said eventually longer and longer distances. So I was going to ask Brad about his running experience, but since you brought up, Jen, that you you started racing together in 2009, when did you guys meet? We've known each other since we were in high school. We were together probably in 19, we started, I think, in 1985 together. So yeah, a long time. Yeah. A lot of race (laughs) bibs to wrap up over that many years. Mm. So Brad, tell us a bit about your intro to running. 
Yeah, so we were together that time, and uh, in the early 2000s, um, I was mostly working a, a desk job, and uh, like most guys, starting to put on a bit of weight that wasn't working the way you want it to. So I just sort of decided uh, to put on a pair of running shoes and go running, and you know, run a block, walk a block, run a block, walk a block, and uh, just sort of kept going with that. And I, I really didn't see a whole lot of value in racing. Like why pay for something when I can just go out the door and, and run. And, uh, I think someone suggested, Oh, you should just go do the, the Manitoba marathon. And that was, uh, I believe the first organized event, um, for racing. I went in, I did some, uh, duathlons and then, uh, once I got out of there and there's too much equipment involved, I just uh, decided to go with, uh, st- stick to running and uh, started off with the Manitoba Marathon and, and went from there. So did you guys just really get into running together or were you running individually before you? Um, I, I would say I, I probably took it up just for health reasons and uh, it was a little more regimented to, um, I don't want to call it training, like um, I looked at more of a lifestyle. I, I I just didn't want to put into a single race, train for a single race, and then either be disappointed or elated, and that's the end of it. So I just looked on it as a lifestyle. And and as we got into racing, um, if I'm going there and Jen's going to go there, then she started registering as well. And uh, not necessarily on the same distances. I think with the Manitoba, it was a half to start, and I, I did the whole, and, uh, and we go from there. So Brad, I have to ask, because we've had a few people that track everything. And so you've got all these bibs all organized with all your times. Were you an accountant by any chance? No, no IT. Okay. Okay. Same field, same sort of area, right? Where you're really into the numbers and the tracking. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And it was with, with the bibs. I mean, a lot of people throw the bibs out, but it was just more or less, it started out as some place to put your, um, your time on. So I'd, I'd write the date, the time. And then I figured, oh, I'll put the weather on there. Cause if we run it again, I can pull the bib out and look at it and see. Oh. And, uh, it just sort of became a thing. And, uh, it's like a little scrapbook the running <laughs> yeah. bib Rolodex. Yes. Yes. That's, That's what, what I'm picturing. Is. That's it's so on funny. a ring. It's on a little ring. So yeah, no kidding. Eh? It's actually yeah. a mm-hmm. really Great. good idea. And I don't even think I've ever heard of anyone doing it, but it's quite genius what you've oh. done. You should see where all our medals are. They're all hung up downstairs too, like all in a row. So, you know. Awesome. Well, I met you both the year that both Brad and I did the Zion 100 in Utah. And actually met you, Brad, just shortly before that when we were down at the Ensure 50K. And then I had the pleasure of meeting Jen in Utah for the Zion 100. And she was there crewing for you, Brad. And then I believe you were planning on running your own race after a few, you know, days, <laughs> no, maybe a day of crewing for Brad. And I remember thinking, wow, how awesome is this? Here she is out here going and getting him cheeseburgers and I don't know, egg McMuffins or whatever it was in the middle of the night. And then she's going to run her own race the next morning. And this wasn't just a one-off. Like you two have made it a lifestyle to travel countless places, both race and often it's one of you supporting the other or, or vice versa, or are you supporting other people and creating for other people. So as I mentioned in our intro, I thought it would be really fun as the world starts to open up more for people to go um, racing again, people are probably Googling and searching what's available and, you know, what can I do maybe still in 2021 or what should I plan for in 2022? You two are a wealth of knowledge as to different road and trail races. So we asked you to come on this podcast and give us your top five suggestions of five road races and five trail races, and maybe give our listeners a little bit of a synopsis of each race and why they might want to consider doing it. Before we start listing these races, I want to ask you just generally, how do you go about picking places to go and races to do when you plan your year? Well, one time I phoned, I remember I was on my computer at home here and I phoned Brad and I said, oh, I think I want to be a princess. And so he's like, princess? And I'm like, yeah, I think I want to go to Disney World and I want to run a race there because I seen, I seen it on, I was his 
cruising around on the internet one day and I said I want to go be a princess <laughs> that's why we went that's to Disney awesome. World so I mean <laughs> you know like I want to go here or I want to go there or he's uh forever looking at races as well on on the internet what looks interesting scenery scenery for me is the big thing I want to see something I want to see something most people don't see because uh, I mean you can see everything from a car sure you can but you can't see anything behind like you know behind the woods or whatever like most people don't get to see what we see when we race before we were actual ultra runners and marathoners we'd go to the mountains and hike every year two weeks out of the year that our vacation would be we would go to Alberta and we would hike and I would pick 14 hikes for 14 days and then Brad would say Jen we can't do this many hikes because you're going to kill us for one for two you know so we had the this itch about the mountains as well so yeah and uh you know and I would get the list or uh, the places from Jen and then I usually do the logistics like how do we get there you know do we need a shuttle do where do we stay how close do we stay it's at walking distance and if it's logistically easy, it makes it a simpler decision to go there. Um, but yeah, generally it's, um, she'll see something or, um, or just word of the mouth, like maybe on a, well, they didn't really have podcasts back then, but if we heard about a race or, or, you know, something's going on in a, in a city or a town, um, and it was easy back up when I say back, I mean, <laughs> 10 years ago, it was easy to go to a race. Cause you just, you could literally show up there and give them yeah. your money and go, there was no lotteries. There was no, races mm-hmm. weren't full so you sort of had the, the the pick of whatever you wanted to do yeah right. things have certainly changed Absolutely. Yeah. yeah all right mm-hmm. so the first road race that we have on our list here is the montreal marathon which i think you did in 2010 can you tell us a little bit about that one why you picked it what drew you to montreal yeah so we were both working in ottawa and it was close so we decided to to go there and um it takes place, I believe, on uh, an Olympic route, like from when uh, Montreal had the Olympics. So you get to run on the Olympic route. For me in the 26 mile, and I can't remember in the half marathon, but we get the 26ers get to run on the F1 course. And then it, it goes through a, um, a shadier part of town, but it's fine. It's in the day. But the, the big mm. thing is, is you end, and it's been the first race that we end indoors. Like you run into the uh, the Montreal Stadium mm. and that they have a great cool. big leaderboard of you running in. And oh, that's uh, cool. yeah, and when you finish, you know, you're inside there having your refreshments and stuff, watching as people cross the finish line on the big leaderboard there. And it's a classic bridge start as well. Like everybody's out on the big bridge there and, you know, you can feel the bridge moving before you take yeah. off. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was really weird. Like you'd be like, "Oh my god, it's swaying!" Like it's like everybody, so many people on there. But yeah, it was a, it was a, it was an interesting race. That was for sure. It was my first, I want to say it was my first half marathon. I thought maybe yeah, because that's my first experience with chafing. That was the worst experience I've had with chafing. <laughs> it still stands out to you now, eleven years later. <laughs> it was my last experience. Well, I still had chafing, but that was the, that was the worst chafing I've ever had in my life. Oh, I was uh, I cried in the shower after because it hurt so much when the water hit me, like it stung oh. so bad. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I remember that race mostly, and and also too the running in the stadium was really cool. Like that was just being on the big jump, and it was a huge jumbotron. So I mean, like holy man, it was so cool. That is like for people that haven't done that, like finished that big city marathon inside a stadium. It is a, Mm -hmm. it's hard to describe just how cool of an experience that is. And it's loud. It's that's what I was going to say. So energizing. And they usually have someone on the mic, like blasting and music and the jumbotron. There is something about uh, the feel of a race that finishes in a stadium that is very cool. And is it in September usually? The next, the next one will be September 25th. I, I've Googled this. September 25th of 2022 will be the 30th anniversary race. And oh. it was canceled oh, for nice. this year. 2021 oh. is canceled. Yeah. But you, ha- you can sign up for the big 30th anniversary still for next year. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. But I mean, it was so cool to see, I don't know, how many thousands of people on, uh, on the tube going to this race. Because that's everybody who was going. You could see everybody had their bibs on. And it was mm-hmm. just like wall-to-wall people in there, you know, like going to this race. So it was, it was a crazy day, but yeah, it was fun. So another race that I imagine had loads and loads of people was, you mentioned wanting to be a princess. So the next one on your list is the Disney Dopey Challenge, which you did in 2014. Tell us about that one. 
that was uh, probably the precursor to getting into ultra racing because the Dopey Challenge takes in all of the races uh, that Disney offers for that weekend, starting with, I believe, a 5K, a 10K, a half, and then the full every morning for the consecutive mornings, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You're up at about 3 a.m. to catch the bus. And uh, that was uh, probably the first big race we've been to, like with 52,000 people and you get corralled in 2,000 at a time. But Disney knows how to deal with lineups and uh, the experience and the expo there is just like they... Um, I guess Boston would have a better expo, but if, uh, you know, if you just want a race to do. Um, Jen's uh, just shaking her head like crazy. She's like, no. Is this uh, one better, Jen? The T- I've never been to uh, Boston, but I tell you, the TSN, the TSN building that they filled, it was incredible. Like, I mean, it was this like shopping mecca there, man. Every vendor on the planet was there. Like, I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable. You could spend like three days there. So our, our first race there um, there was a new shoe company that showed up there called Ultra. That's where they uh, showed off their first launch of uh, shoes type thing. Wow. We returned there, I think, three times to do various races. You can stay on the Disney property and um, they'll bus you to the race and they'll bus you to pick up your bib. They open up early for you to, to get your breakfast. And it's just, it's in an off season to them at Disney. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you race it, you're helping them out and uh, you get to race through the the full marathon races through all the back lots of the the kingdoms. So you get to see behind the scenes and going through the castle castle they have there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I would recommend it. I mean, do it once and then you can see Mm -hmm. Disney and then go on a cruise and yeah, it's good. a road race. Like, like they're all road races, right? So, I mean, but I mean, it's just that you're surrounded by all these characters too that are in costume all yeah. over the place, right? Yes. It's everywhere you go. So, if you aren't too serious about your time, then you spend some time getting your picture taken with everybody and their dog out there, yeah. literally, like <laughs> Captain Jack and you know, three stepsisters, Mickey, yeah. anybody yeah. and everybody. It was just a different experience of running, and it was just a very well organized even though you're running with 27,000 people, it never felt like that at all. And I never, you know, it was, it was really, I would say really well done race. You mentioned that it was almost like your foray into ultra running. Cause yes, like you're covering a lot of miles over those, over those four days. And I would imagine it was probably a lesson, either a positive or negative lesson in pacing, because if you go out and you do your 5k and your 10k and your half marathon a little bit too fast, those first three days, you are going to suffer on the marathon. Uh, how did it go for oh, yeah. you two in that regard? Um, it, it was good for, for me. I mean, uh, I like, I like the challenge like that and to, to feel the muscles and that, um, uh, my, I took it easy on the half, just knowing that I had a full day for the next day to come. So, but I mean, with that many people too, I, I don't think you're necessarily going for, a, um, a PR or anything like that. You're just, you're out there to enjoy what's going on. And, uh, I wouldn't say any of the Disney races were any of my better times um they're not by far the worst but they weren't any of my my better times it was it was the experience being there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. awesome and what about you jen how did it go uh did you struggle on the marathon um, or were you just taking it all that in, was my uh, first marathon that uh, was my actual first marathon your first marathon was after running like 30k in the previous three no more than that <laughs> yeah so i mean i was i got it on my wall and in, in my office uh on my picture because brad bought me a plaque uh, that you can get it was called the i think a dopey plaque or whatever and it had stuff on it so anyways yeah so they have a picture in my time and all that from disney um, so, I mean, yeah, you know what? I, I actually really enjoyed it. It was just, you know, getting up at three o'clock every morning was like, Oh, this is interesting, you know, and trying to sleep, go to sleep at nine and get at least six hours, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, wow. I'm, I thoroughly enjoyed it though. Like, I mean, it was just an experience that yeah, I would definitely recommend doing all four races to anybody who wants mm. to go. Cause it's just something to look forward to every day. And then you're done by, you know, we were done by like six or seven in the morning and then we're like, Oh, okay, well let's go and get breakfast now and, you know, do whatever. If you haven't sold us on the Disney race by now, we're all, we're all hooked in and, and you're right. I've heard extremely good things about that race. So that sounds like a lot of fun. The third road race that you have here on your list is the 
Las Vegas Rock and Roll Marathon that you ran in 2013. It takes place at the end of February in Las Vegas. So tell us all about that one. That was sort of uh, started out as just a winter destination to do something. And it, lo and behold, there was a race happening. So that sort of sealed our fate on, on going there. But I got to interrupt you. Hang on. The first time we went to Vegas, we were lying in the hotel room. We went to Vegas with, for a friend's birthday. Oh. We're lying in the hotel room and we hear this all this noise going on. And then it was Cher who was singing the national anthem. And it turned out it was the marathon happening that morning that we were actually there. We didn't know at all the first time we went to Vegas. And then we returned to run the Rock and oh, Roll. Oh, how cool is Las that? Vegas. Anyways, go ahead, Brad, with your story. Yeah, and that I believe that year that we went there, that was, I think, one of the first years it was a night run. I like the marathon because you get to run the strip, although only half of the race is on the strip. But, you know, it's sort of made up for that by being on the strip, and uh, it overlooks a part of, uh, you know, knocking off the first 13 miles uh, um, away from the strip. But uh, by, by the time you run right downtown, turn around and come back and you're finishing it's over and you don't even know that you've run that that half of the marathon at all type thing so they close down the strip and you run right down las vegas boulevard from about mandalay bay right down to fremont and then back down the other side of it so they close down the whole strip for the race that is so cool. And now is the rock and roll part of it? Like you've got bands playing at every mile or or how does the rock and roll fit in there? Yeah, there there was some bands. I'm just trying to remember that the main one was on the stage at the end. I believe Bon Jovi was playing oh. um, at, on the stage at uh, Mandalay Bay because they were the Mandalay oh, was awesome. the host at the time. So uh, you said it started at night and the first half was not on yeah. the strip. So was it dark or was it just sort of dusk? No, it was dusk. I think it started around seven o'clock and they basically, they take you off the strip out uh, through an industrial part of town. It's all still fairly flat. So if you want to keep your time up, you can. Sort of a downfall is they bring you back and you join up with the half marathon, which was a bit of confusion, but it's still, it's still great going down the strip. That's what the whole... uh, the marathon there is about is doing the strip and i believe recently they've adjusted it so even more of it is down the strip mm. they're working on getting it better every year so the rock and roll series is is a good one if you're a road racer it may be on the trendy side but they do a good job of it mm-hmm. and it makes for a nice destination in february too yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah yeah the race that we were at though took a big hit they kind of went on twitter about it uh that year because all the marathoners were joining the half marathoners and the half marathoners. There was, I think, I want to say close to 40,000 people running and there is not that many marathoners. And so when the marathoners joined the half marathoners, the half marathoners just took over the entire road. And so when the marathoners joined, all the half marathoners just kind of ran over the the marathoners. And so a lot of them didn't get a good experience. And so they went on Twitter and Facebook and all that. And what they did was rock and roll series said, okay, next year, everybody gets, I think 50% off if you want to come back because they just hammered them about that. Like it was just, it was a tough, that was the only part of the race. I mean, the only thing I didn't like about the race was, is that, Usually by mile three, I can put my arms out and not touch a human being at all. But it was mile 10 that I had to, I had to, I could only put my arms out and and I wouldn't touch anybody. So it was like, it was a really, like a lot of people at that race, like a lot of 40,000 people. And then, yeah. And then you have, you know, 2000 in a corral and being released and on top of the marathoners who are joining, you know, the road, it was like chaos and kind of a little crazy and so they took a real beating on it so well on that note and this may be partially why I'm not sure but I noticed on their website it says for 2022 and beyond they will only be doing the half marathon and 5 and 10k they won't be doing the marathon anymore okay oh wow Um, so I imagine pretty much all of it will be on the strip then so it might eliminate Mm -hmm. that boring beginning part and maybe eliminate that merging problem that you just spoke I mean as as a destination race it's good because the logistics there are none all the Mm -hmm. the resorts and the hotels support the race so you're not lacking and finding a place and they give discounts so it's it's a good easy logistics for you know going there running a race and then your other friends meeting them at the bar afterwards. Hydrating well afterwards. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that that part was good. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, moving right along, our fourth road run that you are wanting to recommend is the Twins City Marathon, which um, is being held this year on October 3rd, and it is currently actually sold out already in Minneapolis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You ran it back 10 years ago in 2011. Tell us about that. Actually, we've run that a few times. It's mm-hmm. it's a nice course. Like if you ever want to do a, a Boston qualifier, I think that would be a great course to do it on. There's lots of straights. It's flat and very scenic, and everybody turns out to to cheer you on. I'd have to say probably one of my favorite uh, courses, and I've heard that from other people as well. It's so a beautiful it's, city it, to run in. Yeah. Like I mean, you go over so many bridges, and oh, it's incredible. I love I love that race. Love it. It's great. And logistics wise, it's, it's good as well. A lot of the hotels support the runners. The Metro they have there is free to anybody wearing a bib. Mm-hmm. So you can get back and forth and it's a point to point, Kim. I know you like point to point. So yeah, it ends in St. Paul, doesn't it? Yep. You start yeah. off at the uh, Metro. Well, I, I don't think it's a Metrodome anymore. It's the, uh, it's the new, new uh, stadium and it finishes at the state Capitol in St. Paul. I would highly recommend that. The more I think about some of these races, that's probably one of the the better ones. In October, it's probably not that humid anymore either. So the weather is probably just about perfect. Yeah, it is. It's it's like in the morning, you're in a jacket and, you know, there's so much clothes on the street that people are throwing away um, from warm up that... uh, yeah. It's 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 your temperature for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's it um, draws a pretty good elite field, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Like people wanting to, yeah. you know, yeah. run a fast race on the on the elite side. I think it's uh, like you said, it's the right time of year. The temperature is good. It's fast and flat, and it's the who's who of yeah. <laughs> when we yeah. when running. we were going into to start. There was uh, there tailgate parties already starting because they, yeah. when they were doing football at the stadium we'd come up to the race and we were like tailgate hey you want a drink like you're like oh my god it's like okay dude you know it's like seven o'clock in the morning i get it but they're already you know partying and and then he'd come i i do the half usually and then i'd pick him up at the uh, after the full and it would be like you know hey you want a drink still like they would just still all be there but you know like, sometimes, so, yeah it's wild in minneapolis but they yeah. sure do like uh canadians down there let me tell you they love canadians and why they just were super friendly, super nice, um, you know, and you'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the race. And you're like, oh, that's so great. You come all the way here just for this race. And you're like, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Boston qualifiers, your fifth race recommendation is probably not as well known as some of the others, but there is a really great marathon in Nova Scotia in Barrington, Nova Scotia it happens in July. Can you tell us what you love about that one? Yeah, uh, that one I happened to be working in Moncton, and we I seen the race and decided to drive down there. And uh, it's a unknown gem, I think. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys come up from Boston and Maine yes. to get their Boston qualifying times. It's fairly flat, and it literally skirts the ocean, this rural road, and down on the very southern tip of uh, of Nova Scotia, and. Uh, I was running that race with a with a guy, and uh, he was doing a pretty good clip, and I figured I'd keep up with him, and uh, it ended up that he was only doing the half because it's a figure eight, and at the halfway point, he goes, oh, thanks, thanks for keeping my speed up, and he peeled off to the right, and I went left and uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do for the rest of that uh, race. Uh, I ended up making it a Boston qualifier, but... Uh, That's great. Yeah, and it, it's a pretty scenic place as well. It doesn't usually sell out. I don't know if it is anymore. And the hardest thing there would be finding accommodations just because it's all small towns and stuff. But uh, a fairly inexpensive race, and there's lots to see and do around that area as well. Awesome. Okay, so that summarizes our road races. So without further ado, let's move on to the trail races. The first one on your list, first two actually, happen on the same course in McDowell Mountain Regional Park near Fountain Hills, Arizona, and that would be the Pemberton 50K and the Havelina 100 Mile. Pemberton happens in early or mid-February, and Havelina actually happens at Halloween weekend, October 30th to 31st. So tell us about those races. Yeah, so uh, Pemberton... um... We just like the course, and it happens to be, like you say, the same course as Havelina. Pemberton's a 50K, and then Havelina has 
all distances type things. So it ends up we're being down in February for Pemberton and um, a week later is Black Canyon. So we sort of do both of them. But uh, for this purpose, we just put Pemberton with Havelina. Uh, the last Pemberton we were at, um, Jim Walmsley showed up and set the course record there. So he passed me while I was racing, man. I was like, Jim, stop. <laughs> no. Wait up. Yo, dude, I'm over here. I'm from Canada. You know, like, Photo up. Come on. And he was like booking it. He, I was on my first lap. He was on, yeah, I was on my, no, I was on my second, no, first lap. And he was done his three laps or two laps already. Right. He was like, he smoked by me, man. Like, Brad was crewing for me. So, see, we, when we were at Pemberton the last time, I was I was running with my BFF Fiona. We were doing the 50k, and so Brad and Sally were our um, crew. Like, they were they were they were in charge of you know feeding and drinking, you know, getting us ready. So, but Brad saw Jim Walmsley, and that was it. Like, my crew left. Kind of like it was like Jim. Did you know Jim was here? And I'm like, yeah, he passed by me. You know, I saw him. we're on a first name basis now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's I like eat his dust. <laughs> what do you mean? You have to get you some water. What Jim's right there. Like you know, <laughs> he got his picture taken with him, and oh my god, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so for so. anyone maybe interested in the Havelina Hundred and is googling it, FYI, it's Havelina with a J and Hundred with a J. Does anyone know why it's spelled like that? I think it's the Javelina is for the yeah. uh, the boar, like a hog boar, native to uh, Arizona. I don't know if they're native, but that's where they exist is in Arizona. They run around in Arizona, and, and it's spelled with a J. The Jundred is just a play on words, but yeah, that that's a great race. It's a five lap uh, race on the same trail as the Pemberton, and uh, yeah, I, I sort of got on that one from Todd. He had went out there and ran it. Uh, and uh, decided that uh, because we like um, Arizona so much, uh, it'd be a good, a good, uh, a good hot fit to where we're racing. And yeah, it stays hot there. Uh, you're right around the clock. So except Brad's I, in I a coat that. at night, like when he's running <laughs> or jacket. Well, you you definitely spend a lot of time in Arizona, and I think. Brad, you've told me before, logistically, it is an easy one, too. It's a, well, yeah. it used to be when there were good connections, a straight shot from Winnipeg down to Houston. Oh, yeah. Right? No, no, to, to no. Phoenix. I'm thinking Texas. Phoenix. Yeah. Phoenix. Yes, yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. So easy to get to, same time zone kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, those races, well, not Pemberton, but Havelina, Black Canyon, all by uh, Era Viper running, they're well done. Like, they spare no expenses. Their aid stations are good. Yeah, Havelina is just a blast. It's um, um, I don't want to say a party because it's not about the partying, but it is like there's Mm -hmm. a very, uh, you know, the the aid stations uh, on the halfway marks of the course are great. And uh, they get, you know, 900 people out there. So there's headlights running all night long and uh, Mm -hmm. it's uh, very organized and, and well done. So what costumes did you each wear? I went as a runner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it, it comes up every year what costumes and um i don't know i just uh you no. didn't get in the spirit gen no. you know what it involves chafing forget it you know what i mean uh, like I, I have enough trying to keep everything intact and like my you know the vest and the whole nine yards rather than just putting else something on my head or on my body so I but, mean, but i'll give those guys credit because it is like 100 degrees and they're staying oh, yeah. in costume and oh yeah um, yeah. yeah. Wow. There's some serious costumes out there. Like they had Fred Flintstone, the guy was running with a little car. Like it was crazy. Oh like unbelievable. Yeah. Like there's this full on, full on seriousness there. Cause there's a prize for the best, best costume. Yeah. yeah. For longtime listeners of our podcast, we just dropped the episode with John Paradowski. And this is the race that he left to go to the hospital and come back to. Same race. <laughs> Epic story. So <laughs> yeah, you'll have to, if you, ha- if you didn't listen to that episode, you'll have to check it out. Yeah. Well, and just one more thing on that race, if anybody's curious, it's not cheap. That sounds like maybe mm-hmm. the only downside. It's looking like it's almost mm-hmm. $400 for the 100K and oh. about 450 for the for the 100 miles. I'm not sure if I have that completely right, but it is not a cheap race. So FYI. 
So the next one on your list is uh, the Superior 100, which takes place in September. Usually this year, it's going to be September 10th and 11th weekend. And it's it happens in northern Minnesota. And again, for longtime listeners of the podcast, we had Mallory Richard way back in one of our earliest episodes talking about just how she meticulously, she was like surgical in her approach and how she went, kept going back to that race and back to that race and taking hours and hours off of her time. But let's hear about your experience at Superior. She had very good things to say, and it sounds like a beautiful race from what I hear. That's probably my, uh, I don't want to say favorite, but probably is because I use it to benchmark all the other races by like, uh, you know, where, wherever I am, I'll look at and go, okay, where would I, what aid station would I be hitting at Superior, you know, at this one. But yeah, it's, uh, that was the first 100 I did. Um, I did the 50 before, I think the year before, and then decided to do the 100. And uh, yeah, it's it's a phenomenal uh, course, point to point. And uh, well, Kim's, you've run half of it, I guess. I only did a 50K there, yeah. but like the trail, like the, you talked to Jen about just scenery and, and the, the views and stuff, stunning trail, absolutely stunning trail. Yeah. And I was there in the spring. I can only imagine what the fall would look like there as the colors are starting to turn. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a great race. And, uh, that's sort of where Jen started crewing and what crewing's all about and how it works. And now, uh, I think I've got four 100s there and, uh, she's uh, an old hand at the, the crewing at, uh, for that course. You want a surgical approach to something. It's Jen's crewing, man. <laughs> <laughs> the, as they all say, the funny part is the easy part. It's the crewing and lugging, uh, we ended up getting her a wagon so she could bring all the gear and the, the food in. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'd highly recommend that. And again, the first year I ran it, there was no lottery, no wait list. It's just you registered and you're in. So um, they've been becoming more and more popular. You know, it's not cheap either. It's, no. you know, I mean, I think they're all anything a uh, hundred plus is going to run you, you know, $300 or right. so at least. Right. Well, and the Western States qualifiers, I hate to say it, but they can tend to charge more because they're super in demand and both Havelina and Superior are mm -hmm. Western States qualifiers. And it looks like we um, just yeah. missed the, like the, the lottery was uh, just closed on August 1st. So we can't get it. No, nobody yeah. can get into it anymore um, for this year, but uh, it might be one to keep in mind for 2022. Yeah. And that, that lottery opens usually January 1st. Usually. Yeah. COVID yeah. year is different. This year it ran July 18 yeah. to August 1st, but yeah, usually okay. it's January 1st. The Superior is run by the, um, by the upper mid, I shouldn't say the upper Midwest, but the, there's a whole um, uh, three or four races that he runs and they're all, uh, Zumbro is the other 100 he has and he's got Afton as well. And they're, that's Rocksteady yeah, Rock Rock racing, running, yeah. right? And yeah. they're, they're all great. He does a really good job and they're just becoming more and more popular. Um, Superior was Courtney DeWalter's first uh, big race as well. Yeah, it's a, re it's a respectable yeah. course for sure. So the next one is a quite a unique race. Not the first one I would think of doing, but tell us a bit about the ET51K that you did two years ago in August. What's it all about? So ET is run on Highway 51, just outside of Rachel, Nevada, which is uh, borderlines the um, Area 51. So uh, it starts at midnight at the Black Mailbox, um, which has been in a bunch of movies. Um, I don't know what the name is right now, but uh, you start there and then you run to Rachel and uh, it begins at midnight and you literally just run down the highway either 51 kilometers and again they have a half marathon a full marathon and a 51k just to, to go with the, the area 51 and yeah it's great it's it's a straight shot uh, the first um, half of it is about um, goes up an incline about two percent and then the second half is all downhill to Rachel and uh, yeah Ooh, oh yeah fun. it's it's um, it's a great uh, a great race and again you if you're if you get a really good time, you can actually finish and, uh, you know, it's only maybe three in the morning and, uh, and, and you just get on the bus and they bus you back into, uh, to Las Vegas. So it is a Las Vegas destination. So you basically fly into Las Vegas, uh, get your hotel and then, uh, 
they bust you out at about eight o'clock at night to the black mailbox and you start your race. It's calico racing, isn't it? Yeah, calico racing. Yeah, she does really good races. Like, I mean, she's actually, it was actually really fun because you all you can see, you can feel in your quads. You're like, man, it feels like I'm going uphill. I really feel, and then, because you can't tell because it's pitch black out, right? And then all of a sudden in the distance, you see these little tiny little lights bobbing up and down, up and, you, and it's all you see. And it's really serene because it's like, it's totally pitch black out. And then you'll see a dead cow on the road and then, you know, maybe, you know, whatever else. And then, you know, you, you feel, see these little lights down. It's really, it's unbelievable. Like it's, and then you, you're going downhill. You can tell you're going, and then you're like, oh yeah, I'm going downhill now. I can tell, you know, so yeah. Mm. So there isn't, they call it the extra, extraterrestrial yep. highway that you're running on. So did you see any UFOs uh, or any? Sa- satellites um, and um, yeah, no, planes. unfortunately. Bobbing yeah. headlamps. Bobbing headlamps. <laughs> but, but it is on a full moon uh, night. So if you want to turn your headlamp off, you can, uh, you can see quite a bit. Uh, hmm. But yeah, you, you, it gets a little spooky when there's like, the dead uh, cow is on the side of the road because you don't know maybe a UFO did go by and uh, <laughs> you just weren't there at the time. Oh my goodness. Well, I, some people would argue that, you know, ultra runners running in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere would be unidentified yes. objects True too. enough. <laughs> Good point. Like, what the heck are these people yeah. doing? Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a good, it's a good race. It's a good race to go to if you're looking for something to do in Vegas in August type thing. Yeah. To... And it's not hot. It's not a hot race though. I wouldn't say it's like 70 degrees out there and it's pretty chilly uh, at night. Well, I ran, I ran it this last time we went and he will, you were done what, three hours before me? Yeah. Something like that. So he had to hang out and wait for me. But I mean, I came up and I saw the sun come up uh, and it was so, it was so cool seeing the sun come up mm-hmm. on the desert and running down the highway. It was just. It, it does get cold. Rachel sits below the, the start point. So when you do finish, like you're probably starting at about 70 degrees and when you finish, um, sorry, this is in Fahrenheit, but 70 degrees. And when you finish, it's probably in the low 40s, high 30s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so you'd be down. Oh, yeah. Like when I was waiting for, for I wasn't a puffy. I would yeah. forgive you that at, at yeah. 30 degrees or 40 degrees. I mean, it warms up as soon as the sun comes back up. It's warm, but it's it's the desert at night. Right. So. And according to Kim's research, there's still spots and it's happening August mm-hmm. 20th and tw- tw- 21st. So when this airs, it's going to be happening yeah. in a few days. I'm not sure if registration will still be open then, but uh, at the time yeah. of this recording, it still is. We were thinking of doing it. I was like, oh, maybe maybe if the border opens, we would go. You know, I was like, oh, I'd like to do ET again because I really liked it because it's just a, it's just something so like you know you you see cars on the highway but yeah they just pass by and or they honk and, it, and it's it's reasonably priced. She uh, yeah the, she's pretty she's pretty good at her pricing yeah. but yeah it's nice to be coached out there like in it's two hours out there and two hours back. So mm-hmm. we had two incidences with the buses though where the one bus had the front windshield smashed by a bird. Oh, not our bus. So oh everybody had to get off that bus and get on our bus and then. The other time when we were coming home, our bus died on the highway, so she had to get the bus restarted. But eh, it was okay. Are you sure? Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> yeah, right. Are yeah, you sure? Right. <laughs> well, that's what they said. So, anyways. Yeah. But... Sounds like an unusual, yeah. you know, stranger things yeah. incidents is happening. Yeah. With I know. These buses. Totally. Anyways. All right. So the next, uh, we'll, we'll kind of lump them. Uh, there are two races, but they sort of happen in a similar part of the world. They both have a 50 and a hundred mile. Uh, one of them's the antelope. Um, that one happens in March in Arizona and then the Zion 50 and 100 that happens in Utah. And you did them. Well, I'm, I don't know. You, You can tell me when you did them. It looks like maybe 2016. Yeah, I think 16 was uh, the start. We've been to Zion, I think, two or three times, and uh, Antelope won. Um, Antelope is, to run the slot canyons is phenomenal. It's almost like a, a once-in-a-lifetime thing you're ever going to do, so I highly recommend that. It's getting harder and harder to get into slot canyons to see what they're like, and even the tours, it's hard to get in. So the fact that you can run a slot canyon in a race it would tick off a few goals of people in that, so that's why I say that's that's a nice race and I mean I I think it's in the same area as Zion or fairly close within a drive 
and and Zion Zion was great. I mean, running on mesas, and that was uh, I think the first time um, Kim and I ran together, actually. Yeah. And we ended up doing a large part of that race together, or at least we met up at aid stations <laughs> and then Brad would power ahead of me and then I'd meet him at the aid station. But yeah, you witnessed a not so elegant me during that. I race, think, but, I think we're uh, all the same during uh, an ultra. Like yeah, you, you yeah, get to exactly. see what people are truly like, <laughs> uh, the lows and the highs and, uh, Absolutely. and the bonding that comes because of it type thing. Yeah. So. That was an amazing race. The mazes were spectacular. Yeah, both of those I I would recommend as well, at least the Zion one. And that's vacation races, I think they're called now that do Mm -hmm. both of those. And they've gone back to the original uh, locations for their start finish. Oh, good. No dust bowl anymore. (laughs) Okay. So before we wrap things up, we have one more on the list. And that would be the Black Hills 100, I believe, in South Dakota. So tell us about that one. You did that one two years ago as well. Yeah, I've, we've got a, I think I've got a couple buckles from the Black Hills and Jen's done the 50K there a couple times as well. It's in the Black Hills or uh, South Dakota. It's driving distance. A lot of the races we look at uh, striking points from Winnipeg that... Uh, you know, I try to stay away from a two-day drive because then you could literally be anywhere, like all the way to Florida almost. So if we can get down there in about eight hours, spend a day checking out where all the aid stations will be, and then run the race the third day, and then drive home, that just makes for a, a you know a two to four-day holiday. You know, if we can sneak in some sightseeing there, that's great too. But uh, with the Black Hills, we got to see um, Custard and uh, uh, Wall Drug and all the, the sightseeing stuff that uh, mm-hmm. the, the Canadians want to see down in, in America type thing. And it happens the end of June. That's Sorry. hot. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, the same weekend as Western mm-hmm. States, if I'm yeah. correct. And June in South Dakota would probably be a cooker. And I believe that's another one mm-hmm. where Mallory might hold a course record. <laughs> she's been down there as a winner um i think once or twice type thing so i think it's funny that ultra runners balk at driving somewhere for two days but not running somewhere for two days <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. so right but you know i've always had a rule that you have to run twice as far as sure. the time you That's drive fair. anywhere that you're gonna drive. yeah but you know home. what the worst part is is when you're finished a race and you get in the car and you have to drive home right so you don't want to really drive for two days like yes. ugh, sitting in a car it's hard yeah, and and so. it's funny, like a lot of the people that uh, I've met at Black Hills, from Brandon, from Dauphin, you know. Well, it is a fairly relatively small group of people that yeah. do these kind of races in central Canada, right, in Manitoba. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people are in the same boats as you, where they're also seeking races that are relatively logistically easy to get to. And so you naturally move yeah. <laughs> with each other in these circles. You've given us quite an amazing summary of a broad variety of races, everything from marathons, half marathons, 5 and 10K the day before half marathon, right up to 100 milers. So there's something for everybody in this episode. So normally when we close a podcast, we end with our rapid fire questions. So are you two ready to maybe go into the rapid fire? I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Do you have a favorite mantra? Uh, get her done. Yeah. Simple. I think I may have said that a few times. That's at, your Yeah, and I think I might have said that a few times at Zion. <laughs> yeah, I think you have. I was just going to say, that sounds completely yeah. like something Brad would say. Get her done. Okay. What is your favorite place to run, Jen? I would say probably uh, Black Canyon in Arizona. I would probably go Marquette and then Arizona. I, I mean, I love the desert, but, uh, you know, just for seeing the water and running through the trees, uh, Marquette uh, is very nice. Uh, I think that there's some misgivings about the desert because people think it's flat where it's not. And it's, you know, it can be very undulating or very mountainous, you know. So, I mean, you get the hot and the cold and the elevation for sure. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot more to see there too, yeah. you know. Anyways. Okay. Do you have, is there still a race on your bucket list, one that you really want to try? 
Well, I would like to do a 100 miler one day, but uh, I don't have a specific one. Whoa. I mean, you've had a sampling and seen courses all over North America. I think Brad's surprised by your answer. You should see his face. He was like, I don't think I knew that you wanted to do a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. After all these years, you learn something about each other on our podcast. In different rooms. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Brad? Do you have a bucket list race? I think the, the classic one, Western States. That would be, uh, I don't know if it's realistic uh, anymore, but yeah, that would probably be the, the bucket list one. You could do it. You could absolutely do it. I think it's just a matter of getting in now, you know, and that's the, mm. the hard, yeah, the hard part mean. about it. Yeah. How many years have you been in the lottery? Um, Ever? You know what? I, I didn't know what Western was all about until we actually went there. So I probably missed two years of my hundred running for getting into it. So I think I've got three, maybe four years. The chances are getting better. Yeah. As soon as we get all the rollovers out of it and, and that, I think we'll stand a better chance. I'm not looking forward to carrying that one, but hey, <laughs> I'm going to need some help. So you will, yeah. you will. All right. Favorite running book or movie, Brad, what's your favorite running book or movie? I'd go with the movie and uh, either Unbreakable or Without Limits, the Steve Prefontaine story. Yes. Uh, both of them. I was sort of looking at them both today and yeah, either of those would be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've had that yeah. one. Yeah. Both definitely classics. the without limits recommended a few times. Okay. Uh, final question. Do you have a favorite post run indulgence? Jen? Oh, just a burger. That's it. Nothing else. Burger and a beer. Classic. Yep. You guys are yeah, you can go out enough. to dinner together after your race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's there's a lot of people that I've ran with during races and I don't let people start talking about what food they want to eat until like the last 20% yeah. of the race and then it's all of the dreaming and a burger's always on the list for most people. Anything but it's sugar, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, forget the sugar. No, no. Anything <laughs> high fat? French fries yeah. too, like definitely have onion oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. Thank you both for agreeing to be on the podcast for my, I don't know, unique request of listing all these races. You've been great sports and you've also given our listeners and ourselves a lot mm. to think about and maybe a few races I hadn't considered that maybe I need mm. to now. That ET 51K sounds actually <laughs> kind of funky. So uh, <laughs> um, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us.